Welcome back live, the Bearcat Bounce Podcast, BBP. We are back at it again. Aaron Smith what up, what up? is with me. How are we, Aaron? How are we? And you know what? A lot happened over the past week. Yeah. A lot has happened. We we did not play a football game again for another week. Seems it's going to be, be almost an entire month to pass until Saturday. We'll talk about that. The basketball team had a good bounce back win on Wednesday, followed up by an interesting, we need to break it down, game against Tennessee. And of course, the football recruiting is cooking and it seems like it's only getting started. Aaron, that means we have to dive into it here on the BBP. How are you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Another Sunday without football. Yeah. You want me to you want me to start you guys off with some good news? Oh my gosh. News. Fill me. Come on, Dad. I've been uh been, you know doing my normal Sunday due diligence leading into the wonderful BBP pod and, and sources indicate to me yes, uh, that Cincinnati has zero active COVID-19 cases. Okay. They have zero players in isolation. Okay. And they have zero players in quarantine. Okay. We're going to play a football game. Full steam ahead for next Saturday or for Saturday. If, if today is not opposite day, then I tell you what, that's the best news I've heard in quite a long time. I, I love that, all those words. Zero. This is one time that zero is actually good. Let, let, let zero trend a little bit. But you, because you did see that tweet earlier today that kind of probably made people a little nervous, just saying how if there were to be a cancellation for either Cincinnati or Tulsa in the AAC championship game, then the game would not be played, would not be rescheduled, would be completely canceled, and Cincinnati would be crowned as the champion and play in the New York Six Bowl. So obviously that probably raised some speculation around people the, that the, read that. The New York Six Bowl? Yes, yes. It's, spo- it's sponsored by New York? <laughs> the, the, the New Year's Six Bowl, yes. There you go, there you go. I didn't want people to be confused and think that like we were headed to New York on New Year's Day. You know what? If you want to, Times Square <laughs> might be an interesting time to be there during New Year's Day. I, such a weird, weird world that we are in, including that that Florida LSU game. The the camera angle they had to use for the pretty much the entire second half. I just bizarro world of what's going on here, Aaron. But Chad started off, uh, us off with good news, and as we mentioned, it's been almost an entire month since the Bearcats have last played. We're going to talk a little bit more about the football team and things of that sort. What? What is that? A little shaking of the head, Chad? What What do you have? He's He's gone. His internet went out. Oh, God. Again. He'll be back. He'll be back. But it's been almost an entire month. You talk about November 21st is when they last played Central Florida. That was a very long time ago since you have last seen Desmond Ritter out on the field, since you have last seen the, the vaunted defense taking down the Golden Knights. But this is a chance on this upcoming Saturday night, which, by the way, great scheduling for whoever decided to put that Georgia basketball game right at the same time as the football game. But either way, I digress. Aaron, we finally get to see Cincinnati football back out on the field again. Yeah, it's been it's been too long. You know, I, I miss seeing the, the boys out there doing what they do, uh, especially, you know, not knowing who's even going to be uh, coming back next year as uh, this, this year, you know, we don't know if the seniors are, you know, people are graduating, but we don't know if they're right. going to come back, if they're going to leave. Um, everybody's got that extra year of eligibility. So 
it should yeah. be interesting, but I, I hate seeing games canceled, um, especially when it's not going to hurt us. Not playing has, has certainly hurt us. So, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, some some interesting things that have happened on Twitter recently. Obviously, Ben Bryant entering the transfer portal mm-hmm. that raises questions about Desmond Ritter for a second. Desmond Ritter's little graduation uh, write up mentioned that he is preparing for this year's NFL draft. Luckily, that was quickly fixed and it said in his future his plans are to prepare for the NFL draft and play professional football so that was cleared up there was a little bit of a haze following that but it is going to be good it's going to be exciting to see Cincinnati back out on the field again of course in the AAC championship game which is what Luke Fickle and the staff has constantly preached is that their goal is to win a championship and now Saturday finally is the opportunity for them to do that yeah, I'm excited to see us. You know, we weren't sure if uh, we were going to get that game in against Tulsa before, you know, having to play them back-to-back. Tulsa's very upset that they're not going to get a home game out of either of these two games that's now just become the uh, the championship. But, uh, no, it's what they've been working all season for, and it's good to see the boys, you know, out there and getting to play for the hardware. Let's hope that they Tulsa comes with all the smoke. Bring all the smoke to Nippert Stadium. <laughs> on Nip at Night 2020 edition this Saturday night. We're going to talk more about football in a little bit, but of course, recency bias. The most recent Bearcat news has been the basketball team. Two games this past week following up the the Sunday scaries of last week against that blue team, but they were able to follow it up with a victory against Furman, a, a good win because Furman is a great team. Uh, the main thing to take away from that, I would say, is probably Tari Eason now in the starting lineup for the Bearcats, as, of course, is a move that the last starting power forward is now playing in the NBA for the Orlando Magic and Gary Clark, fan favorite. So Tari Eason etches his name in there. And then, of course, on Saturday, the trip to Knoxville, the game at Tennessee. I, if you were able to somehow figure out how to stream the game, you were able yeah. to watch a horrendous game, to be honest, as far as the aesthetics are, but a game that kind of had sides. a little bit of promise. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good by Tennessee or Cincinnati. On no. both sides, it was it was ugly. It was it was an ugly game, but it was it was a 65-56 loss and a game that yet again scores not indicative of the type of game that was played, a back and forth contest that saw neither team take more than a five or six point lead throughout the entire you know, first 38 minutes of the game until the very end when Tennessee was able to come from behind and cover. Yep, that that is correct. They were able to cover that seven points in the final minute. But, Aaron, just general observations as we continue to break down this this missed opportunity on the road in Knoxville. Well, one of the things that everyone was talking about after the game, including one John Brandon's wife, Lisa, Yeah. um, the fouls. It was just egregiously called one way. I don't like to be blamed the ref guy because we had plenty of opportunities to win this game, regardless of the refs swallowing their whistles um, every time Cincinnati was in possession of the ball. But, uh, uh, well, I I take that back. They made sure they called plenty of travels. But um, Bearcats, 26 fouls. Yeah. Volunteers, 10. Continue, Aaron. Yeah, so that that was not good. Um, we, we finally hit some threes at a, I mean, I won't say consistently, uh, right. although Jeremiah Davenport 
I think they made mention in the game that he hit 14% last year, um, four of seven in the game uh, on Saturday. So that was, that was good to see him coming off the bench. He's been by far the team's best player coming off the bench. Yeah. I'd say statistically, the three point, the, the final three point percentage is a bit misleading because right. they shot what five in the final four or five in the final minute, like yes. desperation trying to, right. to make up some ground. Right. So it, it, it says 29% or whatever. It was actually probably more in the range of 37, 38%, which right. when you've been shooting 21% from you three for this that. season, uh, mid thirties is, uh, is, is pretty good. It is. I Davenport eight of 15 on the year from deep, you know, he hit two against Xavier, two against Furman now four against Tennessee. Obviously we all mentioned him as a spark plug against Lipscomb. He obviously has become way more than that. And he honestly, if you think about it, it's hard to argue that he has not been possibly the most valuable player in the first four games. I, I mean, it's, it's I think there's, an, there's certainly an argument to be made for the most valuable. You could, I think at this point, you could almost make an argument that he's been just overall the, the best rounded player on the mm-hmm. team um, on both sides of the, of, of the court. Right. Yeah. He, I, he's been the epitome of a three and D type player. Someone that of course that can, can kind of situate himself outside of the perimeter can get defended. He was defending the post quite well against Tennessee um, you know, some, some tough foul calls here and there, but overall in a game like this, you know, just, just hearing these stats, if, if one team goes 22 of 58, the other team goes 19 of 59 from the field. One team goes eight of 28 from beyond three point range. The other team goes two for 12. You would think team a in that scenario is going to be coming out on top. Well, yeah. team a is Cincinnati. And obviously the biggest stat to take away was, Tennessee went 25 of 30 from the free throw line while the Bearcats went seven times and made four. That Bananas. is unlike I have ever heard. Unlike it's I've ever heard. Absolutely crazy. And, you know, that kind of was the story of the game. You know, you had vote in foul trouble immediately. Keith Williams in early foul trouble. You had uh, rap in foul trouble. I mean, you had vote fouled out for the second consecutive game, I believe, um, at least the second time this year. But, um, yeah, you had Keith finishing with four fouls, Eason finishing with three fouls, uh, Rapp with three fouls, Davenport with three fouls, Mikey Saunders somehow with three fouls, and he was the least used player on the team uh, that, of the, the players that saw minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, Chris Vogt, as you mentioned, he fouled out not only his second game in a row, it's his third game in a row that he has fouled out and fouled out in the Xavier game, Furman game, and Tennessee oh, yeah. game. So, you know, he – when your seniors and both Chris Vote and Keith Williams play a combined 31 minutes and you only lose by nine uh, on the road in a game that you were right there at the end, I, you know, Aaron, there's, I'm, I'm not the big ref guy, you know, but I, I did go to Twitter a little bit with my frustration with the referees, especially in this little stretch Bearcats up 53 to 51 with six minutes and 14 seconds left in the game. An off-ball foul is called on Jeremiah Davenport against John Fulkerson. Fulkerson goes to the line, sinks both free throws. 55, pardon me, 53-53 tie. Then it was the David DeJulius step back, James Harden-style three, which was a travel, but if Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State were to do it, I think it goes uncalled, and I think they give him the three-point make. 
but David DeJulius get calls, gets called for it. And then the very next possession offensively for Tennessee, great defense by the Bearcats, forces an air ball on a shot with one second left on the shot clock. Fulkerson again draws an off-ball foul, this time on Zach Harvey, setting up to box out for the rebound. Fulkerson goes to the line, nets both free throws. They take the 55-53 lead. And the rest of the way was a 14-3 run for the Volunteers. And that's your final score right there. I, that is just backbreaking. It is, it is tough, tough, tough sledding. When you draw two off-ball fouls in back-to-back possessions, when you have nothing going and it's going to be south for the Bearcats, that's just, that is a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and like I said, you know, that you could see if you – didn't even watch the game. You can see in the stat lines, you can kind of see the story of how the the game unfolded. And it's unfortunate because I didn't feel like we actually got to see the kids play. Um, Because, you know, every time it seemed that since I would go on a a run or or even a start of a run, Mm -hmm. there's another whistle just slowing things up and putting them back at the line. And I don't know, when you have a team that's not of your conference (laughs) – shooting it seven times compared to 30 it's real hard to not just start spitting the the homer flag like i mean that's absolutely ridiculous to me that the sec is getting away with an officiated game like that and you know i of course it's been it's been something that has plagued this bearcat team where they they do foul they foul a lot so that is something to to mention before you break it down like that but still it wasn't all horrible calls. I mean, there, right. there were some legitimate fouls, but again, like you can't tell me that they weren't happening on Tennessee's end. Oh. If you're going to call, if you're going to call it, you have to call it both ways. And Aaron, when, it, the way that Tennessee plays defense as well, you're, you're going to tell me in 40 minutes of a close basketball game, a highly defended basketball game, that the, the style of defense, the, you know, the hard nosed man to man defense that Tennessee plays, they're only going to draw 10 total fouls in 40 yeah. minutes yeah. and and turn and turn Cincinnati over 17 times. That's, I mean, that's just, that's that's very difficult to understand how that's even possible. Well, like you said, I mean, you see the turnovers. That was because you had tight defense. You have tight defense. You're going to have hand checking. And there was certainly some hand checking and they made sure to call every single hand check on Cincinnati, but it was just, again, it, it was, it was hard to watch because it was, super frustrating you could see it in the way that the players were handling themselves like like you could see it in their body language I mean it was it was defeating and you know that you're playing against two teams as as Cincinnati at that point now when you look at it as well kind of what are your thoughts because of course it was still that same 55 53 score coming out of that final media timeout and Micah Adams Woods is, is inbounding the ball on a baseline out of bounds. He gets called with the five seconds. That was the fastest five seconds I've ever seen. So two things for me on this one. First, a five second call in that situation. It's got to be seven for me to think that a referee should be calling it in that situation time. I, you know, I know you want to have it called the same way the entire game, but that's, that is a tough call to make with that time and scenario. Second off, you you know, John Brandon mentioned it, and he's mentioned it a lot. The team just has not been able to get the flow down and, and the different nuances of the system down. That is a situation where you go to your best baseline out-of-bounds play and you convert for a bucket. I, it's tough, tough, tough to have a five-second call in that situation. It Again, it was the fastest five seconds. Like, 
I think if you went back and watched it, if you rewound it, I think you could see that it wasn't five seconds. There's no way, like, unless you're like, there's, I don't know what the actual like ref count is if they do one Mississippi or what it is that they're supposed to do as they're standing there, but there's no way that was actual five seconds. So I don't know how you get away with it. To me, it's just, it seems all too convenient that, the way that the game broke down, you had Tennessee cover the spread, and I don't know. I it didn't feel good watching <laughs> the way that any of that went. You know, and of course, one of ten down the stretch for the Bearcats from the field. A lot of those, like Chad mentioned, a lot of chucks because they didn't miss their final five shots. A lot of desperation heaves, but still, just a tough, tough game to swallow and a difficult loss because. You know, not really tough in the sense that you went in expecting a win, but more tough because the way that the game was playing throughout, you constantly found yourself thinking in your head, okay, well, this honestly is starting to look like a game that the Bearcats can steal a monster road win against the projected SEC leader on the season. I, it would have been a, a, a program, you know, kind of a program changing win underneath John Brandon. And then, of course, it would have been, a resume-carrying win all the way to the tournament selection. We don't know how that's going to go this year, but it would have been one of those that you look at and you say, well, hey, comparing Team A to Team B, the Bearcats have this win at Tennessee that is monstrous. I think that's the main tough thing to take away from the game. Well, you know, we, we saw against um, against Furman that you saw a glimpse of Cincinnati kind of figuring out how to close out a game. They, they almost gave that game away against Furman, but they found a way to close out and win the game. Unfortunately, you saw a lot of you, – you've already mentioned it – a lot of Tennessee um, it was the same that we saw against, against Xavier, and it was just not being able to figure out how to play in those last six minutes. And it's just kind of been the Achilles heel in this young season already. Yeah, and, you know, it was something that we mentioned during the, you know, the, the preview – who is going to be that player that has the ball in his hands down the, down the stretch. You no longer have Jaron Cumberland to turn to no longer have Trey Scott to get you, you know, garbage putbacks and things of that sort. So, you know, who is going to be that go-to player and, you know, Chad did a good job mentioning it in his bites. And, you know, when Keith Williams is on the bench for as long as he was with foul trouble, it's hard to be reinserted into the lineup of a very high intense game and, tell him to go out and, and succeed and, and make the plays down the stretch needed. So you saw DeJulius try and make some of those plays, but I think there's a lot of positives to also take away from this, Aaron. I, you know, I think some of the play of the younger players is really starting to give you a little promise heading into what's going to have to be some, some must win games coming up in the early season. Well, you definitely got to see Tari Eason do a little bit more uh, against Tennessee than he has in some of the other games this season. Uh, he did hit the three ball a couple times uh, as he went two for six from from the arc. Um, he finished with ten points, seven rebounds, and in a. I know we're going to talk a little bit later here about uh, Mamadou, but it was a game where you you were running low on bigs essentially, right. and it wasn't a game that they necessarily had prepared the game plan for um, in that style, and and also with the early foul trouble of Chris Vogt and. Uh, and Keith, you know, you got to see some important minutes there. And again, you know, I can't say enough good things about Davenport continuing to shine in this, again, young season. Yeah, you know, I I think you also saw the the zone looks that 
Cincinnati was giving at different times throughout the game. I think, you know, obviously when you struggle with the dribble drive penetration that they were giving up throughout the first few games, the change into these zone looks just even being added. You know, Brandon mentioned he's not a, a coach that normally has multiple defenses that he flips through, but you know, adjusting this early in the season to your personnel is kind of kind of something that's needed in, in a year that you have to win quickly and you really don't have too much time to kind of mess around and lose a game here and there. So the fact that he's able to kind of turn to that that little 3-2 zone that drifts back into a 2-3, as well as that 1-3-1 defense with, with Davenport on top at times. And, and also I saw uh, uh, Mikey on top as well. But, you know, I think that the way that you have to look at this is when your seniors are struggling like they were, you need to bring all out intensity. And I think you saw that with the Mikey Saunders and with the way that Tari Easton was be, was able to play. I, I think that that might be a little bit of what you start to see as well moving forward is kind of more of the frantic high pressure defense turning it off. Well, I know that when I was, I was actually driving back from Florida when we were playing uh, Furman. So I had the uh, I was listening on the iHeartRadio to the game, and one of the things that uh, Terry Nelson continued to uh, point out in that game was that Mikey Saunders was not running back on defense, uh, and he said the guards in general were just playing slow, getting back to the other side of the ball when when something would happen on uh, the offense. Mm-hmm. So they're just their transition D was terrible apparently, and. I in watching the game against Tennessee, I feel like you didn't see that in uh, in Saunders play. I don't feel like you really saw any let go, even as they continued to pile up the fouls. Um, I don't think you saw a whole lot in the guards anyway. Um, I think you you did see uh, some of the play by uh, Rap and by Vote soften up quite a bit as they again continue to pile up fouls. But I, I was happy to see with the guard play of especially Saunders. He had some pokes and some things that he was really disrupting the flow of the, of the ball for the other team. So I don't know, just some things that are good to see improvement game after game and just kind of see the development of Saunders play. Yeah. And, and of course, Tari Eason brings the ability to have just that athleticism, you know, and you saw that athleticism against Tennessee, who, you know, John Brandon mentioned it, David DeJulius mentioned it, is a potential Final Four team. It's, it's a really good team that will only get better as the year progresses. You have so much young talent, high-level talent, mixed with the, the veteran pieces that they have down, down low. So it's, it's going to be a team that gets better as the season wears on. But I think that there were definitely some good things to take away. I think you know, as Chad mentioned, you take away the garbage threes at the end of the game. You're you're finally starting to shoot a little better from the outside. You're seeing some flow established against what's going to be one of the better defensive teams in the country in Tennessee. I, I'm just interested to see who's going to be able to kind of, you know, we saw it with Keith Williams, who 27 points against Furman and doesn't really even get talked about. You know, it was mentioned here and there. But 27 points only happened two times all of last year. I've mentioned it numerous times. You know, it, it happened once with Keith Williams against South Florida. happened another time when Jaron Cumberland had 28 against SMU. Other than that, that's it. So 27 points against Furman. I thought that was the development of a coming out big senior year season for Keith. And all of a sudden the foul trouble happened, which I thought another thing tough was that John said he was trying to sub 
Chris Vote back into the game, and the officials did not see Vote trying to check back in, and that's when Keith picked up his second foul was when he was trying to get Vote back in for Keith to come out. So uh, another little interesting fiasco. Raise, raise your hand if you're surprised that the refs messed something like that up. Oh, man. But either way, you mentioned it. Mamadou Diara also is opting out of the 2020 season due to the COVID situation. Um, your your take on that? Um, if I had to guess, and I don't – I mean, I think that's probably the general consensus is it has everything to do with the uh, recent birth of his child. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it's it's definitely – we needed – like I said, we, we needed another big out there for the – uh, substitution purposes and uh, we just simply didn't have it and it's going to I think it's going to certainly affect us uh, going down I mean even uh, the Spaniard last year um, you know not having his his uh, his limited minutes that Jay Sorola. yeah it was it was still good to have the body there for the uh, for the break for some of your bigs and you know you've lost a pretty big piece and getting some of those breaks this year so now you're yeah. gonna have now you're going to have Davenport running extended minutes at the four. Yeah, you know, I think you saw some frustration as well out of Mamadou uh, at times. I think um, it would be an interesting thing to see. But I don't think you're going to have many games in the near future where you're two bigs in you know, both Chris Vogt and Rapalos Ivanowskis getting tacked with so many fouls to the point where it's going to be such a difficult situation as far as substitutions and things of that sort. I mean, the big difference is going to be Rap's just not going to really be spending any time at the four or much time at the four going forward, which we kind of already knew in that, you know, when they made the switch to Tari in the starting lineup, that shifted how the rotations were going to play out. At that point in time, it looked like you'd see Mamadou at the five and and vote at the four or uh, Rap at the four uh, when when they went away from vote and, and Tari. Uh, but now you'll see vote or you'll see rap sliding down to the five and then more of Jeremiah Davenport at the four. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see, can anybody else kind of give you that fourth guard? If you go to a four guard, look like can, is Zach it, is, is Zach Harvey an option there? Right. Um, you haven't even seen the Madsen twins really at all yet this year. Well, I mean, who knows with the high ankle sprain right. what exactly Mason's timeline is. Gabe, I do think, and uh, I just wanted to point out, I was the only only one uh, in the media that caught that they weren't playing a 1-3-1. They were playing a 3-2. Um, but in a 3-2 defense, I think you could maybe hide Gabe a little bit to where right. he's not as much of he's not as behind the the system learning you know playing a three two zone defense as he would be playing you know pressure man to man so that stuff will be interesting um it does give you one less person in the rotation um and a lot of people have asked me about Vic I, I don't have any indication that he's close to being back to returning to practice um right you know he, he it's you would hope you know maybe january february somewhere in there you'd like to to try to get him on the floor if you can um at some point in time it's a free season so uh but i i wouldn't 
I wouldn't hold my breath for how soon we're going to see Victor Locken, which kind of stinks because if, if he doesn't have the knee issue, then all of a sudden now he's in a position to, to, to make a play on this team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the the official move of Rat to the five kind of just calms him down. I you know it it just seems like he is trying so hard to make an impact a little bit beyond his abilities possibly. Tennessee's a terrible matchup for him. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. But but still, the the multiple turnovers back to back yeah. to back just brought back just bad bad memories in my head, and it's just something that I don't want to remember. Uh, you know, a, a promising grad transfer that people were excited about going into a season. Uh, let's just leave it at that. And I then, you were and then he kind of like lost Adam, his confidence you, a little bit. You know, are you even are you even old enough to remember like Adam Arichinyuk? Oh, oh, I know Adam H. Oh man, <laughs> just just wish Hernell Hall was on those teams would have been a lot better, man. You want, you want the, the, one of the funniest things on 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 working this beat. Um, you never came down for the summer league, didn't you, did you, Brent? Uh, Devereaux's, no. Okay. Did you ever go to Devereaux's, Aaron? I never made it to Devereaux's. I, I got my clothes other places. I heard, no, the summer league, you jackass. I heard I heard Lance Stevenson looked like uh, Michael Jordan at those. Of course, it's the Devereaux's summer league. But what I'm talking about <laughs> is one day Adam walked into the summer league with his girlfriend, and you want to talk about a record scratch – and the entire gym went silent. Oh. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> well done, sir. No wonder you can't make a layup. Okay. You are concentrated on the right things. Because all he's doing is shooting three-pointers, baby. <laughs> I mean, holy moly. This was like top five hottest girls you've ever seen in your life that, that Adam H walked into Devereaux's summer league with. Here to okay. shoot. I mean, 6'10", you're Polish, got a great accent. I'd have, Imagine what Jimmy Smith's walking around with on his arm. <laughs> I'm guessing Jimmy Smith's had a really good time in Cincinnati. I'd concur. <laughs> but, yeah, that just funny story about Adam. He just, out of nowhere one day, he walked into the summer league before a game with his girlfriend – and I don't think the entire gym watched a second of the games the rest of the day. Just everybody stared at Adam's chick. For good measure. He's like a legend in Poland. Is he? Yeah, he's played on a really good – like, he's still playing. I think he's still playing. He was, as of last year, played on, like, one of the, like, dominant programs in Poland. Played with I, Deontay Vaughn for a couple of years, I think. I mean, the thing about him is, like, he was – he had games where he looked good. He just couldn't but, make the layup. But then he just had games where you're just like, oh, <laughs> wanted to hit your head. Man, those – well, luckily, the transition with John Brandon is nothing like that, obviously. We don't no. have an Adam H. type. But, you know, I think – I don't know. I think Rap just needs to relax. I think – Yeah, thank you. you know, I think you're had, right. He has some good drives. I, you know, his drive against Furman where he kind of just – Took it with authority and and laid it in before the defense reacted. He, you know, he splashed a couple threes easily against Tennessee, but he just seemed sped up, way too sped up, trying to do too much. Where you know you gotta you gotta feel defense here. You gotta realize that okay, I can't drive against the best defender in the country possibly in Vipons and expect to do anything other than turn the ball over. So I think hopefully this movement to the five will kind of calm him down and bring him back to the type of player that he is. 
He also wears his emotions on his sleeve and you can tell when he's frustrated and either getting calls that he doesn't agree with or not getting calls at all. And I think you saw some of those emotional outbursts against Tennessee, um, probably more so than any game this year. Uh, Cause he, uh, again, I don't want to harp on the refs, but there were just some calls that should have been made as right. he was banging around down low and not getting similar calls that, Tennessee was getting when they were down low that yeah yeah and and it all pays into as well the the rotations that John Brandon is trying to get figured out you know and and you look at it 17 turnovers is tough you know but in the first half they had a bunch it was sloppy it was gross I mean you're seeing I believe it's what nine total turnovers between Chris Vogt and and Rapp you know, it's it's something that seems like it can get figured out. If if you're getting if you have 17 turnovers and 15 of them are coming from your guards, then you're going to be like, oh man, oh gosh, this is this is not good. But right. there are there are things about the team that you saw little mini glimpses of, you know, and I think it's going to be as roles get defined, as rotations are figured out, and as shots continue to hopefully fall. I I mean, David DeJulius, his five of 17 from the field it's that that's not enough justice i you know some some of those drives that he didn't convert a lot of bodies underneath the basket hopefully in the future those are called fouls at least half of them I, zero free throws free throw attempts for the amount of times that that DeJulius ran into the lane i i mean come on it's a uh, we could break break down that part of it the entire way but i think in the end aaron you kind of look at it and you say hey we're going to look back at this Tennessee game and see, you know what, that was when things started to, to work in the right ways. You know, maybe Gabe Matson, who is considered one of the best shooters on the team by John Brandon himself, is able to figure out a role where he can come in and, and see if he's got it on for the day. You know, maybe a couple shots, see if he's feeling it. And, you know, maybe we can get you nine or 12 or, you know, even six. And kind of, kind of just that added piece. I think it's, it's just so early in the season where, you can't nitpick too much, but this was definitely a frustrating game at times. I think that because it was winnable. I mean, it was certainly a winnable game. We right. had the we had the game in our grasp, and like I said, you, you got to figure out how to close out games like that. And unfortunately, this team just isn't there yet. Um, it's it's plagued us in, against both Tennessee now and and against Xavier. And like I said, you know, we almost gave a game to Furman. So uh, no, they. I I hope that they can clean some of that stuff up and uh, figure out what to do. We, we have a redemption game coming up against Georgia. Yep. So we can see, you know, you got to gotta figure out, I, Berg kind of alluded to it in his article this week. You have to figure out game, how to win games that you're not supposed to win. Right. right right now, this team just isn't quite there yet. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you win all three games heading into the new year, first at home versus South Florida, crazy to say, oh, wow, it's game four, and, pardon me, game five, and, Conference play is here, but uh, hey, that is the year 2020. So uh, South Florida coming up on Wednesday night, and then of course at Georgia, and then at Central Florida next Tuesday. So you know, kind of just a situation where if you are able to close out this this December with three straight wins, I think you're going to have a, a lot more positive to look at. And I think versus U- USF, uh, you know, they are four and two on the year, but all of their their wins are against you know directional Florida schools and and things of that nature, and 
that's going to be a very winnable game, obviously. And then at Georgia is a very winnable game, but still a road game against an SEC team. And then, of course, at UCF, it's always tough there, but still a very winnable game. So hopefully close out December strong and go into the new year. If you're sitting there with a, with a five and two record with things starting to really mesh a little bit more, I think you've got to feel a little bit good about how this year two is looking under John Rand. I agree. You know, against South Florida, they're four and two right now. Um, you know, Georgia's at five and zero. Oh. You know, these are games that, you know, hopefully come the end of the season look like good wins. Um, you know, UCF hasn't played a whole lot. They're only at one and one. But no, I completely agree that if you can close out this this month, it's definitely uh, something that you can put a, a feather in the cap and, you know, hopefully see some of the development and some of the things cleaned up, like the turnovers, like the free throw shooting. I uh, like the fouls uh, and get some more of that senior play that we've all been still waiting to see as everybody seems to be in foul trouble every week. Oh, things to work out, but I would say the future of this team is bright. I, I think we've seen enough where enough pieces where hopefully if they all fit together somewhat, I think you're going to be a good way to close out the year. But another thing that's finally closing out, Aaron, is the, 2020 college football season. Now I want to touch on it briefly because it's going to change in a couple of days, but what were your quick thoughts about the college football playoff reveal showing the Iowa state cyclones hopping the Cincinnati Bearcats and remember a 31 to 14 loss is what Iowa state has at home to Lafayette. It it kind of gave me an idea of how Central Florida fans felt a couple of years ago as they destroyed everyone in their path for the better part of what, two, two and a half years. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, they still got railroaded by the establishment. And, you know, when you, like I broke it down in my article uh, this past week that if you look at the, amount of teams out of 24 opportunities that have been in the college football playoff. There's only been 11 teams ever in the six years that there's been a, a CFP. And that's crazy to me that there's yeah. only been 11 teams that have made the college football playoff. So if you're looking for any type of, uh, um, you know, just changes in who those teams are going to be, don't, don't hold your breath. Because it's always Alabama, Clemson, and fill in two other teams. You know what? Here's when I saw it, I instantly, and a lot of people tweeted this, but I instantly saw Iowa State. Are you kidding me? Oh, wait, Big 12. Oh, wait, right. Oklahoma. Right. And that just irks me because obviously the, the big talk this past week around college football was the loss that Florida had to LSU, which was a crazy game. I Did, did you get to catch any of it? No. I, I, something about a shoe. It, it was, man, <laughs> with that, among many other things. But there was such a heavy fog at the swamp that they had to go with the, with, with the sky cam for pretty much the entire second half. It was just a very strange game to watch, you know, at a 50 – Three-yard field goal, I believe, was made by LSU. And then Florida comes back and almost makes a 51-yarder to tie the game. I, just a very strange game. But in the end, LSU wins that one. So chaos is starting to happen, you know. And 
that that brings in mind it's it's saying okay well what exact chaos is needed for a somehow some way Cincinnati Bearcats find themselves back into that college football playoff scenario and and I you know because this obviously the next BBP that we're going to be recording would be after the final college football playoff reveal so Aaron break it down for me what needs to happen perfect case scenario in order for the Cincinnati Bearcats who have not played in almost a month to magically see their name I don't calamity I was gonna say I don't think there's really a much of a path. That's the thing. They made it clear Tuesday. Yeah, they I know they they, sh- they shut the door. I think wa- that's the thing. Yeah, and I I posted this last night on Twitter. The reason they put Iowa State in that position is to safeguard against chaos. Yeah, and I get that. Florida losing to LSU is the first step right. of chaos, and well, they've already put their safeguard in place. Here's my here's my other question. This is what I want your guys' opinion on this. Yeah. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Yep. Clemson stays ahead of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think if if Notre Dame wins by ten, which would be crazy. I don't think it matters. No, because there's still still like those Clemson stays ahead because they're going to discard the first loss because Trevor Lawrence did not play. If eight look. If a two-loss Iowa State is moved ahead of Cincinnati, there's no chance a two-loss Clemson falls behind Cincinnati with two losses to Notre Dame, one of them without Trevor Lawrence. Okay. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. What if Ohio State loses to Northwestern? Yeah, I I think there's an out there because Ohio State hasn't played a lot of games. And, I mean, A&M's best win is Florida. On a last second field goal, I—I I mean, it's, but they protected A and M by moving. Ohio, they put a buffer with Ohio yeah. with Iowa State. Like that's that's well, the you point would need, of adding buffers. You would need Oklahoma to beat Iowa State in a gross, terrible looking game, and Cincinnati to dominate Tulsa. Yeah, I, right. I don't. I don't think that there's that even matters. I think they closed the door last Tuesday. Yeah, I hate I so and too. I hate being sent. I hate being cynical like that because I I think so too. Generally, yeah. like I, I think you know I'm I'm about storylines and progression and right. seeing how things play out before we react to how we think they're going to play out. But like they play, they showed their hand. I, we talked about this on the the BCJ podcast. They're right. playing like the the shell game mm-hmm. with yeah. see through cups. <laughs> right, they're showing well, you like, exactly where the ball is it's right nothing. here. And I don't care if you know where it is. <laughs> None of this should really come as that much of a surprise, though, because if you look at who's who makes up the committee, there's yeah. very little, if any, G five representation. I think there's somebody from what, Arkansas State. Yeah, there's two um, people with G five ties, and everybody and else. Everybody else is power five. Yeah, so of course you're not going to let anybody take a seat at the table that's not part of their club. Here's the: they've been doing this a long time. Like they know how the shell game works, how to move this here, how to – Georgia, perfect example. If Georgia jumps UC, I'm not going to be surprised tomorrow no. or Tuesday. You know why? Because they strategically put a terrible 5-3 and three Missouri team in the top 25 so that when Georgia kicked their ass, up, oh, 
Right. Georgia right. beat a really good. They passed the eye test. Georgia yep. beat a. Re, their quarterback is back. They beat a really <laughs> good top twenty-five team. Yeah. Missouri's terrible. Give me a, like that stuff. That's it's it's the it's moving things around. Like last week, Tulsa should have moved up. Yeah. They had five teams ahead of them lose okay. in a reasonable proximity, and they stayed exact. They didn't even give them the common courtesy of like tapping them on the ass and moving them to 23. The AP poll moved them up to 18. Yeah. And the CFP committee left them at 24. Why? Because they can't have that title game means for Cincinnati right. be a top 20 win. It needs to be, uh, well, they were 24th. They know exactly what they're doing. Exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And, Watch and Coastal we'll, Carolina drop for that, that game Saturday. How much will, how much will they drop? A spot or I mean they're not I don't think they'll drop a lot, but they'll drop a spot or two. USC will jump them. Uh, that's yeah. who I'm looking for to jump us next. I don't think they will. I was joking, but I don't think they will this week. They win the Pac 12 championship and, and go six and oh, seven and oh, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. There's a good chance. Oh. Uh, so I, what they about? showed their hand. That's that. That's the thing. That's the takeaway for me from last week. They they showed their hand and they were happy to do it. They well, were happy to do it. I talked about it earlier. Now we know how Central Florida felt and why they went and just said, "Screw the whole system. We are the national champions." Yeah. There I mean, was nothing. Well, and, and the the excuse that Barta gave after when he was asked about like what else could Cincinnati have done and he essentially said well there wasn't anything that they could have done better. Well, yeah yeah he mentioned he said that the, the way that Iowa State has played in recent weeks merited the the movement of them up Bullshit. so so why did we play the games <laughs> yeah I that was the thing that struck me is just okay so it's a recency bias like you know what is this the the college basketball selection committee of the last 10 wins, the final three wins hold so much importance. It, you know, it just, it is, a, it's tough pill to swallow, but you know, you just have to continue to raise the, the noise surrounding you. Cincinnati's, you know, publicity reach high levels this year. I think it's only the beginning of something. And I think that once recruiting rankings, you know, people start to look at those and, and things of that sort, and you start to see, okay, well, maybe the the playing field has been leveled out a bit. But you know, tell tell me who's gonna slide in who's gonna slide in at number four against Alabama and put up a game. I mean no one Clemson, it, like I I don't know. It's uh it's tough and yes. I think they showed their hand. And I also think Gary Barter did did something interesting when that whole Big Ten decision was boiling down with allowing Ohio State to play in the championship game. He he elected to not even be a part of the discussion. Why which, have rules? Yeah. It's just, you know, obviously because he kind of felt but this is going to be decided. And, and I already – no reason for me to really say what I need to say because – I need Ohio State in. I have no issue with what what the Big Ten did. I don't have an issue either. I just don't Look, understand why you even had the rule at all. If you're yeah, that's 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 where the problem is. 
right. is you tried to put a rule in that had no, like, who cares if they only played five games? They, they beat Indiana, who was second. Like, yeah. they were clearly the best well, team in the Eastern Division of the Big Ten. While to Indiana put, still had their quarterback. To put Indiana in over Ohio State was – no, right. that's, not, that's not how sports works. That uh, because they made a stupid rule, you should. If you make a stupid rule, I am all in favor of you realizing you made a stupid ass rule, and uh, we we take we take back our stupid ass rule. This, this That's on us. Been, could have all been avoided if they didn't try to. Hey, we're not playing, so no one else should play this year. Like, right. if you, you don't leave the sandbox and take all your toys, then no right. an issue. And, and, I, and I have also, no problem at all, none with what the Big Ten did. Look, right, the Big Ten had one chance to cash a check in the college football playoff. That one chance is Ohio state. You're in. I think, I think Indiana fans have an argument about no, they being don't. frustrated. No, being frustrated that Iowa state jumped them. Sure. And, 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 and different things of that, but as far Indiana, as this goes, no reason to be frustrated. I'm going to preemptively curb. Uh, uh, sorry, Dan here. Indiana would fucking curb stomp Iowa state. Yeah, they would win. Fuck, and especially with Penix. Yes. Without Penix, they might just, you know, Be I might, I might take the F word out, and they just regular <laughs> curb stomp. Right. Iowa State. The defense. Give me a break. Good. Yeah. Give me a break. You know, and, okay, and here's I'm the good. thing. I'm good. The I'm, thing. Gonna, I'm calm down for a while. <laughs> here's the thing. I think that Cincinnati would. Sorry, Dan. Iowa State as well, and. I, it's just hell, man. The uh, you can go on and on about this, but you know, I I kind of touched on the fact. Go ahead. What? Did you just use "sorry, Dan" as the cuss word? He did. It was fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I clap twice. I love it. I love it. That's the best word. This is episode twelve. Yeah. yeah. That's the best piece of content you produced in twelve episodes. You just use "sorry, Dan" as the cuss word. Yeah. That's outstanding. Boom. But they would. It's a simple fact. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, Aaron, you got to just continuously produce these recruiting classes that some people in the committee will be like, hey, guys, are you seeing Cincinnati has has a top 10, you know, a top 20 recruiting class this but past I don't, year? I don't think it's going to matter because I think we're still not going to get invited to the big table, to sit at the big people table. Right. I, you know, I think. Next year, though, you look at that out of conference slate. I think if they run run the run undefeated the entire year next year, I think it's going to be very, very, very tough for them to say no. Door's still shut for them after you go to Indiana win and also beat Notre Dame. I there's it'll depend on extremely hard if we beat them by like a field goal though, like both Indiana and Notre Dame by a field goal, they're going to say, well, you didn't really win by enough, so. Also, they they can't dismiss road. You can't dismiss road wins over good teams. You you can't. Indiana and Notre Dame aren't as good this year. So Indiana is going to be really good next year. It was early in the season and it doesn't really matter what you guys did early in the season. What happened? I've got a question for you. I'm curious. Ready. Why don't we hear Tom Allen's name more when jobs open? You know what? I I think it's just the uh, his background just is not as strong as Luke Fickle's background is is, is as oh. solid as anybody that. <laughs> no, I'm saying Tom Allen's background is. I mean, it's got 
it's got kind of, you know, like the whole, I think Luke being at Ohio State for as long as he was, people will just constantly be like, well, he's got that Big Ten in him, blah, blah, blah. Tom Allen, people always just mentioned the the high school football thing as his back. And, I mean, I think I think his name will start to grow more, obviously, but I think kind of just the the five years ago, what was he doing is more of a situational thing for people than than we think of. Huh. And also, IU hasn't been like the past two years. They've been good. You know, this year they're they're great. If I think if they could be great again next year, which they should be, then I think his name will be up there with everyone. Because I mean, if you saw after their win against Wisconsin, when all the players are coming up and yelling, "This is the best coach in the nation," this coach right here, best coach in the world, this coach right here, he's winning at Indiana and and not no doing has. it, not <laughs> doing it like fluky like right. we talk about we talk about cincinnati they, yeah. they 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 have good offense they have great defense they're gonna like indiana does all those things their defense people talk about Penix and their offense and their fly on those yeah. their defense is really good like yeah. that's not a fluke what he's doing at indiana no it's not no it's not and, and i think it's a also a situation where you just have not seen this amount of level so like you said it's kind of a surprise factor and, and when you break it down, you see well, he built a roster. Yeah. He I, quietly over time built a really, really good and yeah. pretty deep rock. Like they lost Penix and still kept winning. I, he, he recruited the South. He recruited players that, you know, the, the big schools in the South didn't want that somehow slipped through the fingers of the SEC. And, you know, and, and when you're able to do that and, and you build that, I, I think obviously you bring I, that. I mean, he would be if I was some, yeah. If I was somewhere, if I was an AD somewhere that that had a prominent job opening, Tom yeah. Allen would be on my list, man. That like that what he did this year at IU, and it's 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 built to be sustainable. Like yeah. that's not and what I say by that, that's not a team with with thirty seven seniors, right? Right. That's a team with a whole bunch of really good dudes coming back next year. Mm-hmm. And a good base behind him. How's Tom? Like, what are we doing that Tom Allen's not mentioned for? And I know Indiana fans are like, "Hey, shut the Dan up." Sorry, Dan up, dude. I got to work on the delivery on that. Well, well, here's the you thing: nailed Thanks. the delivery. So, That's the thing: you nailed the delivery. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just uh, I thought about throwing out a real one, but I was just like instantly, quickly threw that in. I mean, that was instant. That wasn't something you had thought about in the past, where it was not like I could all. use. I can Not use sorry Dan in place. I mean, that was that was I really mean, good work on the fly. I've been like, doing play by play for you know 13 years, so you gotta be gotta be quick with the gun. So no, no, I, here's the thing is I'm gonna do something unprecedented, Aaron. You ready for what I'm um, something unprecedented? Go on. A so lot keep talking. A lot like what Luke did when he brought in the whole T-E-A-M, you know, together everyone achieves more. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing down in in Bloomington at IU. Oh, I'm I'm for, I'm forgetting the word that they use right now. But it's um oh, uh Indiana football motto. Oh, what is it? It is L yeah, L E O. Love everyone. Oh, what does L E O mean? Love each other. Yep. And and so they have and everyone has bought into that and the culture has been dominant and it's been something that when you can change the culture and have everyone buy in like what you saw luke fickle has been able to do 
that's when you have a group of, of 18 to 23 year olds that are going to go out there and play as a team. And, and when you have a unified team, you're going to be one of the best in the country. Brent, check your phone. Let's see what we got. Oh, wow. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Little, uh, little tip, a little tip for my, uh, over door that I served up a couple of minutes ago. I enjoyed that. I sent him, I sent him twenty dollars for the sorry Dan line. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's never happened before. There's a bounty now on this podcast. Let's do it. You say something Where, that makes you say something that makes Greg Dan Williams laugh. is out. So so Chad Brendel's a new Greg Williams. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you say something that, that genuinely makes makes Dad belly chuckle. I might send you ten twenty dollars. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well but hey as I mentioned earlier, we have to touch on this is if you put to string together fantastic recruiting classes, people are going to start to notice. And if you transform that recruiting class to productivity on the field, which I think Cincinnati is only scratching the surface, with, you're going to now all of a sudden get a, you know, get a story generated. That's going to bring better and, and more exposure to your team. Well, and, you know, you're going to have essentially an, an NY6 bowl um, you know, as long as you take care of business with Tulsa. So between those two games, you know, you're getting the national spotlight that you wanted, regardless if we're going to be in the in the CFP or not. That that all said, I don't know that I'd necessarily want to be the number four team. I mean, I, of course, I'd love to be in the CFP. But if you get an easier game than having to go into the CFP against Alabama, and play somebody like a, a Georgia in the NY six. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think honestly, it might be better for the program to come out with an NY six win than to, uh, I mean, there's still something to be said for being the first G five team to make the CFP regardless, but. Yeah. I think we're going to have that conversation tenfold next week on the BBP, but right now we gotta, we gotta talk about what happened in, in football recruiting. We finally figured out the player that that the recruiting department made that beautiful video. Yeah, yeah. That video is awesome. It was. I I play that on loop. It is sweet. Love the song. Love the you know the videos in it. But we finally figured out that was for Derek Shepard, the defensive tackle. Who, if you're you know a member on Bearcat Journal, you know where there's smoke, the fire comes. Derek Shepard, obviously a a program changing recruit, you know, Melvin Jordan started that in 2022 as a top defensive recruit. Now all of a sudden Derek Shepard is, and he is fourth in all time, just behind, of course, Evan Prater, Don Juan Lewis and Kembrill Tompkins. So, you know, you're talking about a, a dominant, dominant player in the middle of the defensive line for years to come. And he is committed. He's, and he, he used that line that everyone has been using in the 2020 class and be is different. that be different, mm-hmm. be different. Yeah, no, it, it was, it's fun to see. And, you know, there's still a handful of guys that UC has been recruiting that are, I, I know uh, at least two are making decisions this week yep. um, between Robert Jackson and uh, the receiver from Texas. His yeah, Drew Donnelly. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where they go. Um, you know, I, I feel good about both of these kids too. So tomorrow morning, Drew Downey will be making his decision. And of course on the 15th, that is on Tuesday, Rob Jackson makes his, I, I mean, you, you want to talk about Christmas, Aaron, what is your favorite Christmas cookie? Um, 
I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to think on that. Yeah. Maybe those uh, those ones that are like Snickerdoodles, but they have like the Hershey Kiss in the middle. Oh, wow. Those okay. Are, those are pretty good. The answer is always chocolate chip. I'm always What's going your favorite chocolate cookie? Chip. Chocolate chip. Yeah, I'm always going chocolate chip. And, and by the way, Chad, your little tease of your little gif with your face on that one dude, I am, I am so happy I saw the Cookie Monster instead of him. I'm not using that. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason not to use that. It was so good. Who it sent you laugh. that? Who sent it, you that? I, I saw it and I, I read all the threads. I saw it in the thread, and it there was it was it was very funny. I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm not using it, but it was very funny. He's not retired yet, but of course, Derek Shepard. I mean, if there's a snowball and it's it's winter, I think it's going to start to keep rolling. I'd keep an eye on a certain four-star receiver from the state of Ohio. I'd keep an eye on a certain three-star receiver from Indiana. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know what, what might happen in the next two days, uh, I have put my crystal balls on the table. <laughs> this, is, this is the, if you have continued to listen at this point of the podcast, you are, off. you are all of a sudden getting uh, quite, quite the earful, but I mean, is this obviously we've seen this is something that has happened underneath this this you know staff and and everyone involved. But Chad, is this something that you think is plateauing right now, or do you think it is something that will even go higher? Where do I think every every player they get is going to be ranked eighty nine or higher? No, I pro- that's probably not. Uh, <laughs> probably not overly realistic but here's what's here's what's happening and here's what's important when the staff took over yeah the best players prior to them getting here and even as they got here uh you know for the finishing up the 2017 class Uh um the players they were getting the the best players were in that 84 to 85 range right right the best players they were getting were in that 84 to 85 range. Give it two years, all of a sudden that's up to 84. 2020, that number's up to 85.33, I think. Right. This year, so far for 2021, it's at 85.11 and probably rising with what's going to continue here in the next mm-hmm. couple of days. And now you're looking at that that average rating right now for 2022 is is 89 and a half. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to stay there. But what, how you take the next step is what we saw in the beginning, where the highest rated players became the average player rating, right? right. So now, if it, the next step in that progression is the average or you know the 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 guys at the bottom of the recruiting class are now in that 84 85 range right yep and so when you do add those four stars now you're pushed up and you're pushed up into 86 and you're pushed up into the 87 range and that's a respect on the recruiting trail not because look it's and i know a lot of people get angry at this there's a lot of it that it is on the player the largest piece of the pie is the player. 
and, and what their talent is like. But when you commit, it is only human nature for people in our business to give extra credit to the guys that are the best at identifying players. Yep. Luke Fickle is getting that extra credit. And it, as, as he continues to rate, uh, recruit and land higher and higher and higher levels of talent, they will continue to get that benefit that we've seen the schools ahead of UC get. And it's, it, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years. I've heard this uh, up until maybe a year or two ago when we really started to see guys when they committed to Cincinnati, they, they got a bump. Yeah. Um, you're going to see more of that because there is that level of respect nationally for Luke Fickle, where the guys that ultimately pull the trigger and make the final decisions have mm-hmm. a great deal of respect, not only for Luke, right. but for the ability of his staff to evaluate talent. And also what's, what's put yourself in the shoes of somebody that does ratings, right? Yeah. You want to look right. Don't you yeah. down the road? Like you want to, yeah. you want people to look back and say, man, you what you don't want him to say is they rated that guy as an 89 and he played like a 76. Yeah. He sucked. What yeah. you would rather do is have them say they, they, they rated him an 87 and he played like a 90. Right. Well, with the way they're developing players at UC, you feel pretty confident rating guys in 87 and thinking they're going to play like a 90. Well, oh, that's just, going just back, saying. Going back to a previous conversation though, that makes you wonder why the hell anyone would try and associate Fickle's name with, Illinois with South Carolina because it's easy because it's lazy. Uh, well, like it. Tom Luganville, that's he's an Illinois fan, so of course he's going to look at it and say, "Damn it, go get me Luke Fickle," right? Like that's, <laughs> that's as an sure. Illinois fan, that's that's your natural reaction. Uh, yeah. He knows if you read his article, he knows Luke Fickle. That's why he put in his, his tweet. I'd make him tell him me no twice. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well. He'll tell you no 43 times if you ask him 43 times. Uh, he knows that, but that's the respect Luke Fickle has. Like, you got everybody's got to get over Luke Fickle's name popping up. But we barely saw it in South Carolina. You're already seeing Freeman's name being mentioned with Illinois as well. We're seeing Freeman being mentioned for some of these jobs instead right. of Fickle, which tells you they already know He's Luke Fickle ain't taking this job. Right. He's not taking this job. Mm-hmm. So he's he's clearly going to Virginia Tech, though, because Tommy Pickett said so. <laughs> yeah, big connection there. Big connection. You guys know how mad I was that night, Thursday night? No. Let's hear it. It was did – I, did I tell you – I didn't tell you this, Brent. No, no. Oh. That, that Tommy Pickles guy that was on – the Virginia Tech board? Yeah. Yeah, it, it said he was a moderator. You know where he was a moderator? Rugrats? <laughs> well, he was a moderator at BearcatJournal.com. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. The account was registered to someone that used to cover recruiting for us before I took over the football side of things. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that, that was that was on me that that, 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 that happened. Okay. And, uh, I was livid, livid. They took the they took the account of the former Bearcat Journal employee uh-huh. that covered recruiting before I took over football or football, and changed the name to Tommy Pickles. And I guess have been going around to uh, sites in the twenty four seven network, controlling them with 
what is allegedly in, insider information uh, that people believe because they have a mod badge. Wow. Yeah. I smell a troll. <laughs> the Tommy Pickles account has been globally banned from the 24-7 Sports Network. There you go. <laughs> I was... And that was all happening as we were ending the BCJ podcast Thursday. Yeah. yeah. As some people heard, I made a phone call immediately after we hit stop on the record thing mm -hmm. to somebody at National. And yeah, it was it was somebody tied back to Bearcat Journal. I was <laughs> Was it I one was, of those just like you're you're just caught in a movie type setting? You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? Well, it was one of those like, is this guy a mod on your site? No. Uh, the name registered to the account is such and such, and yeah. then a lot, and then a lot of sorry Dan's. Huh. Mother, sorry Dan's. You stupid, sorry Dan. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> there, there was a lot of sorry Dan's uh, involved in that process. But, but he's gone. He is. He is blocked. The hemorrhoid has been removed. Oh, those painful sometimes. It was because that's but afterwards. Like I, I feel like, like, I feel like an asshole. That's on me. <laughs> that guy, that guy trolled the Virginia Tech site for three weeks. That Luke Fickle to Virginia Tech was a done deal. Well, we've, three we've weeks. heard that before. Well, but it's different when the people on the site are looking. Well, you see that mod badge. Yeah. You're expecting somebody to have information, kind of right? Yeah. right? Well, Michigan State ran, run rampant with it, too. Yeah, but, but not, they, not they didn't. They, they didn't have dad level information, they, right? They didn't want this smoke, kids. <laughs> Michigan State didn't want this smoke, my children. They, they still don't. No, no. <laughs> they don't. I like the guy that tried to troll me over JoJo Jackson when he decommitted from Cincinnati. And I was like, bro, he ain't committed to Michigan State. Why did you have someone on Twitter trying to troll you for Michigan State this week? Oh, it was the – it's one of those guys that is – when Cincinnati dropped in the rankings, mm -hmm. I told you Cincinnati can't – can't, like, if Cincinnati's not relevant, why do you jump in my mentions every time their name every time. comes up? That means, like, you know, they're relevant now. So I would take Mel Tucker and – Shut the sorry Dan up and move it along. <laughs> there's something. There's, there's still just something I like prefer about saying fuck. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta let it fly. You really have to let it fly sometimes. Yeah, like I, you know, I like. I, can I send me that twenty dollars back? I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it out. I've gave it a couple test runs. And uh, I think I think it's good in small small, small doses. doses. Yeah, you know, I unexpectedly something yeah. strange about my Venmo is like I I can never send it. It only receives. So, I mean, I'll have to figure out another way somehow. I think you'll I, we'll be okay. You can. I'll just I'll take it out of your check next month. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That works out. That works out. Golly. Wait till I wait till I short him twenty dollars next month, Aaron. He's gonna Boom. be roasted. He's going to be heated. <laughs> I guess I have to the, take out my other, frustration somehow. You got the other 20, though, tax free. So, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, baby. <sighs> Boom, baby. Well, I mean, I, 
I think we've covered pretty much everything we need to. I uh, we can we can go on a little diatribe of, of some random direction we, if you guys we want. Did, we didn't bear cat best bets. Oh yes, yes. Let's let's close that with making people some money real quick, Aaron. Everyone's favorite segment. Give me give me a couple locks real quick. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking here, and uh, I don't know. Ohio State favored 20 and a half over Northwestern. Do with that what you want. I think Cincinnati hammers a 15 point spread, which is where it's at right now over Tulsa. Uh huh. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to give this news in the beginning when I gave the other news. Right. But a certain strong side defensive end has been practicing uh, 100% full go. Oh, oh, there we go. Former uh, former all conference player, uh, former number one strong side edge defender in the country for most of the season until he, right. he missed. Yeah, one games. of those guys. Former um, former uh, model of Marcus Freeman playing better than his God given ability player on the Black Cats. Yes. yes okay. Yeah. Continue. Continue, Aaron. Continue. Yep. Coastal's favorite three and a half over Louisiana. I like Louisiana, bro. I kind of uh, do. The ooh, Louisianas. That's, that's a tough one. The Raging Cajuns. I kind of like Louisiana. In that and game. then that props up Iowa State. Oh, gosh. Because that was that game was at Coastal, right? The first game was at Coastal, and Coastal won by a field goal late. This one's at yeah. Coastal. It's, it's Okay, so the conference championship host, conference yeah. champion host. Mm, I think it's going to be a great game. Those are two fun teams to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What time is that game? Do we know? It is at 3.30 on ESPN. So I – 8 o'clock kick. I, I mean, I'll probably get to watch like two and a half quarters. Almost Chad, three what, quarters. Chad, what, what is up with people wanting to do Georgia versus Cincinnati at 8 p.m.? That's – I mean, that's Georgia. That's controlled by Georgia's Come on, TV. Tom. Come on, Tom. He doesn't have anything to do with it. He's too busy laying in one of the seven tanning beds he has on camp on <laughs> in the facility. True. No lie. When when Buzz took that job, Aaron, yeah. he, he he said to somebody I know, like two days after he took that job, after getting there and like touring the facilities, he's like, Tom Crean has seven tanning beds That's spread crazy. throughout spread throughout campus that he that. uses. He's he's super well respected in the sport and people love him, right? He showed up at a at a at a camp in Chicago that I was at. And he was the strangest color of like uh burnt orange that I've ever seen in my life. Like he had like he had to have a tanning bed in the car. So he looked like I see. Like he I mean he walked in the door like that and everybody was like this isn't like you that's not like it looked like somebody just took a spray can of burnt orange and spray canned it spray painted him and not like spray tan but like the actual burnt orange texas color uh and just spray painted him before he walked in but he had like seven tanning beds in his offices at indiana but that's 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 that's, that's tv sec because it's a game at georgia much like the game yesterday tried to explain this to people this is this is not a uc deal the home team in out-of-conference games determines the TV time, TV channel, all of that. So Tennessee 
the SEC network determined where that game was to be played. Time that that game was going to be played, network that that game was going to be played on. Well, Same thing that, with Georgia. Isn't that kind of like Xavier a couple of years ago when we were playing in uh, – Yeah, Fox a, determines. A big game, and and Xavier made sure that they overlapped the football game. and Fox determines. But no, not Xavier doesn't have – I mean, sure, if you're huge conspiracy – they called and asked to be put at the same time as the football game. I don't think that was the case. Um, I, I do think, though, they don't care if it doesn't meet your – like what your schedule looks like. Like if UC is going to call Georgia or ESPN or the SEC Network right now and be like, hey, we play the championship game, 75 times out of 100, they're going to be like, yeah, tough shit. We're doing what's in our best interest, not your best interest. And the SEC title game is earlier that day. The Big Ten title game is earlier that day. They're looking for a time slot where they can get the most eyeballs. It's it's 8 o'clock on Saturday, unfortunately. The problem is you're not going to get a whole lot of UC eyeballs because everybody's going to be watching the football game or they're going to have it on two TVs. Um, you want to handle post-game for that one for basketball, Aaron? Um, Brent, are you coming to the game? Uh, the football game, yeah, I planned on it. I'll be at the football game. Dave will be intoxicated. Um, yeah, I mean, about right. Somebody's gonna have to write the basketball post game. If if needed, I I could stay at home, but uh, I mean, I would like I would prefer to have somebody in the press box. Right. I mean, it's a pretty big game. I can I can write. Yeah. You get your first. What, what are we going to call Aaron's post-game articles, Brent? Ooh. Aaron's assets. Aaron's answers. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds way better. Ooh, I, I, like like Aaron, I like Aaron's answers. I do love alliteration. Yeah, Aaron's answers. That is – I mean, I'm kind of proud of myself for that. I'm sending myself $20. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending $20 from the work account to the personal account. Aaron's assets will debut Saturday answers. night. Aaron's answers will debut Saturday night. I like. Yeah. Are we good? Are we good on Aaron's answers? We're gonna have to be. Aaron's alliteration. <laughs> but then the whole thing would just have to be alliteration. The whole yeah. post game. Oh, that'd, yeah, that'd, that'd be like terrible. Ass. That'd be horrible. <laughs> I mean, come on, Mister English and Grammar. Yeah. Well, I mean. Trying to write an entire article in alliteration would not Challenge. be no, no, no thanks. <laughs> Aaron's an asshole. That's, and then you just an asshole the whole article. That's accurate. <laughs> I'm proud of you tonight, man. I, you, you have, outside of we briefly lost you for like 30 seconds early in the show. Your your I'm, internet has been solid in the uh oh, you're hardwired in the is that a that's an electrical box there over your left room. shoulder? There's a there's a dryer back there. Yeah, it's a laundry room. It's fine. I mean, you know, that's where you got to be hardwired. That's where you got to be hardwired. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did, what you, have any, did you have any more errands? Uh, do you have any more uh, best bets here? Um, no, you I interrupted you. It's fine. We're we're used to it. Um, that three and a half. I think I'm. I think I'm going. I think I'm going with uh, with Louisiana on that. I think so too. I think so too. Which is a kiss of death. You got to go Coastal Carolina now because I 
any gambling advice I give is terrible. <laughs> Fade Brendel. Fade Brendel. Fade Brendel hard. I was I was thinking about starting a, a segment called like Brendel's Bricks or Brendel's Blocks. Like Ooh. these are the game. These are the games you don't bet this weekend. I like, that. I, like <laughs> I like them. So you should probably stay the sorry Dan away from them. Um, the only other game that I I don't know. I, I think Alabama's favored seventeen. I think Alabama beats Florida by more than seventeen. Um, but I don't know that I'd hit I, big money on it. Wh- how far would you tease that up? I might uh, tease that up to thirty. I don't know. I anything over twenty five, I get nervous about. Like even Georgia over Vanderbilt, <laughs> Georgia's favored thirty eight and a half, and like that's a lot of points. I mean, the craziest thing that people are talking about is like, it, how good is this Alabama team? Like, they are demolishing teams. Mm-hmm. I, I'm taking Bama plus twenty eight against pretty much everybody. I mean, they're they're they are demolishing teams. They they have to play poorly not to score fifty. Pretty much. They they've got their second team players. They were up thirty five to three and with like eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Could you imagine that they played Arizona? <laughs> were they supposed to? No, I'm just in general. Do you see what happened uh, to Arizona this week? No. They lost to Arizona State seventy to seven. Oh. To Arizona State. Unfortunately, even if they even fired if, Kevin Sumlin the next day, like, sorry, brother, it's, it's not it's, you, it's me. It isn't it's working out. It just isn't working out. <laughs> even if Cincinnati did a walloping of, of Tulsa like that, though, 70 to 7, it still wouldn't matter. Nothing would change. And no. that's the unfortunate part. I mean, I like how you brought that, brought it all back around. I'm, I'm just saying, I, if I if I could get I mean, I'm sure I can. I just don't. I don't. I'm not. It's not my thing. I would take Bama plus at least twenty. If your if your ceiling is twenty five, I would take Bama plus twenty five against Florida. Did you watch Florida last night? I didn't. Like I said, I, I heard it was something about a shoe. I mean, everybody freaked out about that. There's no freaking way that Florida was going to beat Alabama next week for the Saturday for that to matter. No. No chance. No. No. That game was weird. It was. That was hard to watch. But it is what it is. You guys ready for me to wrap it up? What are we thinking? Any any closing remarks, guys? No, I've my, already talked I've already talked too much today. My my Bearcats best bet is hammer the Bearcats. That's all I gotta say. Oklahoma favored by six over Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. And in Clemson favored by 11 over Notre Dame. I think it's, I mean, 10 and it's, just, I think it's down to 10 and a half. Yeah, it's 10, mean, 10 and a half now. It's just like, I mean, weird yeah, times. Football. Weird times. College football strange. But uh, things are cooking here in uh, Bearcat land. I, I, I'd say that's pretty safe to say. Mm-hmm. Well, stay tuned to the oven. Stay tuned to uh, things going on here very soon. It is championship week. It is exactly what Luke Fickle and his staff wanted. Football, uh, basketball, getting ready to get get on track in the first week with two wins. How about that? That would be a good way to make things roll in the right direction as well. But aside from that, Aaron, anything before we shut this one down? No, ma'am. I think All we're right. good. 
Well, for uh, Chad Brendel, for Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young. Thank you very much. This is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. See ya.